it has to be part of your thing. And then, you know, you, you do it like this and then you break the mold. Welcome to the Creative Studio. This is the podcast where we conduct experiments with podcasting. My name is Joshua Rivers, and this is a production of Podcast Guy Media, LLC. Biographic. An engaging story. Plus emotion or moments of reflection. And it's not all just documentaries because we get sucked into the story. But in a narrative podcast, you explore the answer and you find it by weaving through a set of occurrences. It's a change of direction. Add in extra information or background or thought process to what was already recorded. Throughout season four, we have been covering narrative style podcasting. This includes journalistic or documentary styles as well. The first 10 episodes of this season covers this topically as we step through the process of creating a narrative podcast. I interviewed 11 podcasters for this series, and in each episode, you'll hear from several of each of them. So the first 10 episodes is basically a working example of this style that we were talking about. Now, I'm releasing the full interviews that I did with each of these guests. I'm doing this for several reasons. First of all, there were several things that were brought up in the conversations that didn't make the final cut. It was still good information. It just wasn't as pertinent to the topic at hand, or it was already talked about by other guests. And secondly, you can get to hear what the conversation was like before I cut all the audio for the original series. You can be able to see the show notes by going to creativestudio.academy. Today's guest is Jeff Woods. He is the host of The One Thing Podcast. At the time of the interview, he was the host of the Mentee Podcast. On the podcast, Jeff was sharing his story of personal and professional growth, going from employee to entrepreneur. Since that time, he has moved from Mentee to Mentor, and he brought on another host to handle season two of the Mentee Podcast. He shares some great tips on sharing a story in a way to keep people's attention. With narrative podcasting, there's a bigger resurgence greater popularity that's growing in the podcast community, especially since serial. And so do you think that maybe it's just a fad or do you think that this is maybe a, a good direction that we could be going in? Well, I think you just nailed it. I wouldn't necessarily call it a fad. I would certainly say it's a change of direction. I was having this conversation yesterday with Jay Papazan. I was talking about podcasting. And if you think of an adoption curve, imagine a bell curve. You know, We're still at the very beginning of that, what we would call early adopters, where the, mo I think most people don't even know what podcasts are. And so there's going to be an increasing demand and need for podcasts. But with that, the pros are recognizing it. And so you look at people like Serial, you look at people like Alex Blumberg, who started Startup. You know, these people came from NPR. They've been narrative journalists as their profession. And now they're bringing that talent and that skill set to the podcast world. And with that, you know, you're starting to see these, these podcasts coming out with incredibly high production quality. And, and with that, also incredibly high budgets to produce it as well. So I, don't think that you have to do that if you want to compete moving forward, but just recognizing that the quality is going through the roof. And if you want to stand out, you're going to have to do things differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. But the one thing that I really like about your style, of course, not every episode that you do is like that, but there's a couple that have stood out. I, I meant to jot down the specific episode numbers, but there have been several to where you you seem to take your uh, recorder everywhere. So let's actually start with that. You seem to be recording lots of things in different places that capture things. Can you maybe elaborate a little bit more on why you do that or, or maybe a little bit more about your strategy? 
Sure. Well, I was in a, a corporate sales job making great money at the end of 2013, and then my income got slashed by 40%. And I recognized that if I wanted to make a change in my life, if I suddenly wanted to be making seven figures a year, if I wanted to have enough passive income to be able to choose to wake up and do, do, do my day job or not, I'd get there a lot faster if I could surround myself with the people who already had those things. And I started to do that and just recognize that I was spending time with some incredibly influential people, some really high-level people. And the value that I could provide if I could just record those conversations, I knew would be tremendous. And so that's why I literally just started recording the conversations and started my podcast, The Mentee. But of course, as that started to scale and I got feedback from the listeners, I recognized that's what people really wanted to hear. They weren't necessarily just wanting to hear an interview, they wanted to hear private conversations that were genuine and conversations that have actually led to results in my life. And so that's that's why it has taken so well. Absolutely. So some of the episodes that you've done, you've recorded either a conversation with someone else or even just your personal thoughts. Uh, but then mm -hmm. you kind of break up that that recording, break up that tape and insert some narration in between. Was there a particular reason why you decided to do it that way instead of just trying to record, I don't know what you'd say, like a normal kind of episode? Yeah, so if you look at the title, it's called The Mentee, From Employee to Entrepreneur. I recognized I was going to document my journey from employee to entrepreneur. I didn't know when I would end up becoming an entrepreneur. I didn't know when I'd be able to quit my day job. But I figured if I could just document the process, good things would happen. I had no idea how it would take place. As I went through that journey over the last year, there were defining moments where I was going, holy crap, like this, something cool just really happened. I should just record my thoughts. Like the time when I was on the phone with Jay Papazan, and he's telling me about how he and Gary Keller were looking for a CEO for their publishing company, and I was just trying to connect him to my Rolodex. But when he described what they were looking for, I realized the person they were looking for was me. And as I hung up the phone, I, I sat in my car in silence for five minutes, which never happens. I just, I could not move. I had to digest what just happened. And I walked into my house, looked at my wife and said, honey, I think everything's about to change. And I wouldn't be surprised if we were going to move to Texas. One conversation, I didn't even tell him that I was interested in the job, but I knew in that moment everything was about to change. And I, I felt compelled in that moment to run into my office, grab my recorder, and document what had just happened. It, it, it's moments like that along my journey that were just so powerful that I'm going, I don't know if this will ever turn out to be anything, but I have to document it. And I've maybe only used, I don't know, 5% of those little moments in the podcast, but that's what has... And you tell me, you listen to the show. I mean, what did that do for the authenticity? There's definitely a rawness, as you said, authenticity. You do bring emotion through there. So, I mean, you see your passion, you see your fear and all that that comes through in those type of episodes. But then even with just the interviews that you're doing or the conversations that you're having, you can see or hear, I should say, you can hear when the light bulb comes on for you at different things and the many explosions that happen. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, it definitely comes through that way. And so I like that. Thank you. So I know that you are obviously targeting conversations with people that are your mentors that you would like to be your mentors and specifically trying to reach them, but maybe for somebody that is doing some other type of narrative, they're not necessarily trying to get CEOs and entrepreneurs and high level people necessarily, but what would maybe some advice as far as trying to reach out to people to be able to bring them into 
the story that they're telling. Maybe some advice on on that. Sure. Well, you know, I think a lot of it just comes down to recognizing that in this point, you are literally documenting everything, every interaction. And so all these conversations that you have with people, I think you just let them know, hey, do you mind if I record this? Not only for my own retention, I like to listen back, but oftentimes I find little snippets of gold that could go into my podcast. And if I come across something, I would, I would be sure to reach back out to you and ask for your permission specifically. Would that be okay? And, and more often than not, people are going to say yes. Very rarely have I gotten a no. And the only times when I've gotten a no is when it was like an incredibly personal and private conversation on their end. Like they just did not want that documented, which I could respect. And then it's just a matter, you end up with a slew of content and recording. And at that point, it was just a matter, you got to document it. You got to form some system of marking the date you sat down, what you talked about, maybe moments. You'll know when you're in that conversation, like, oh my gosh, that was a golden nugget to be able to look at your recorder and say, hey, at 19 minutes and 27 seconds, I need to go back and listen to that moment. And being able to just have some type of a system for that. As you go forward, all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like, hey, I want to do an episode on this. And you remember, I had this one conversation with, with Josh. And I remember there was a gold nugget. And then you, you pull up your Evernote, for example, and you look at the Josh Rivers interview note. And you see like, ooh, 19 minutes and 27 seconds, there was a golden nugget. And you fast forward straight to there and you go, boom, there it is. Make sense? Mm-hmm. So did, did that answer the question? Were you, was it more, was it more about how to do it or more about how to leverage it to get in front of the right people? Yeah, probably more how to be able to reach out to people, which you had can work probably too for for a different aspect. So yeah, and and, and look, <laughs> here's the thing: when when you start a podcast or a blog, when you do anything that puts you in the position of being a reporter, you end up creating an immense amount of value for yourself. And people don't realize this. It's very strategic. This is why I started the podcast. Number one, to add value to people. But number two, I recognized it would give me a way to add value that was unique. And it would give me an ability to get in front of people I wouldn't have had access to otherwise. It's one thing to approach a big CEO or a really successful entrepreneur or a famous author or anybody who you frankly don't think you would have the chance to get in front of. And if you were just to walk up to them and ask them to for coffee so you could pick their brain, chances are the answer would be no. But if you can suddenly put yourself in the position of being a reporter where it's, hey, I'm writing a, a blog post on this and I'd like to feature you, or I have a podcast and I'd like to feature you, whatever it is, all of a sudden you're adding value to them because you have a platform. You are giving them exposure and everyone wants exposure. Everyone. It just, it feeds the ego. And so regardless of how big your podcast is, some people will be smart enough to say, well, not smart enough. Some people will ask you how many downloads you have or how big your reach is. And that's okay. But most people just be like, hey, you've got 100 people who listen to each show. Awesome. That's 100 people that I normally could not reach. And they will say yes. And so I think you just have to recognize the value you create for yourself when you put yourself in the position of being a reporter. Does that make sense, Josh? Yeah, it does. Okay. Cool. Can you share a specific example that you went through to be able to help illustrate that? Yeah, absolutely. So do you know who Brendan Burchard is? I know I've heard the name. Okay, let's use Damon John from Shark Tank. Okay. Okay. So Damon John from Shark Tank, you see him on TV. What are the odds of you getting in front of him and having a one-on-one conversation for a half hour? Very slim. <laughs> right, very slim. Personally, yeah. Guy, guy is super busy, and if I saw him on a street corner and I approached him and asked him for coffee, he would say no. You know, he's busy. If I were to send him an email, he'd say no. If I were to call his office, he'd say no. But I have a podcast. 
and I and I and I recognized after doing this long enough that the podcast was an incredible way to get in front of people. And then I recognized if I wanted to get in front of really like A level celebrities, A level entrepreneurs, and business people like the Damon Johns of the world, I needed to step my game up even more. And I recognized if I could use a brand like Entrepreneur.com behind my name, that would give me even better access. And so I set out to become a contributing writer for entrepreneur.com for the specific reason of being able to network. That was my number one goal, right? And so I find out that Damon's coming out with a book. Well, everybody who's coming out with a book is going to want to sell books. They're going to want exposure. And so I recognized that and said, here's the opportunity for me to leverage my credibility as a reporter with a major publication to get access to Damon John. And so I reached out to his people and just specifically said, hey, I have one of the top business podcasts on iTunes. I also write for Entrepreneur. My posts often get shared anywhere from fifteen to 30,000 times in a matter of weeks, and I'd like to help get exposure for Damon's book. That was an immediate yes. And I got to have my conversation with Damon. I got to ask him everything that I wanted to ask him. And then I was able to turn that into a podcast episode. I was able to write an article for Entrepreneur.com, which ended up helping add tremendous value to him and promote his book, but also added value to me from a credibility standpoint. The traffic that came back to my website, what I saw happen to my email list was crazy. So it was a true win-win. But the only difference that I did was I strategically recognized that if I could put myself in the position of being a reporter, I would be able to add value to the people that I normally would not be able to add value to. And as a result, opportunities have been created. Well, one thing I'm curious about because I've heard you talk about writing for entrepreneur.com several times. Now, when did you start writing for that? Ooh, six months ago, seven months ago, maybe. Okay. And how long was it before you were able to reach out to Damon John? I mean, I could have reached out to Damon John from day one. The moment that mm-hmm. I had entrepreneur behind my name, I could have done it. But it was one of those moments where I heard he was coming out with a book and the light bulb went off in my head. Because mm-hmm. I'm always asking the question, what can I do to add value? How can I help you? How can I help you do accomplish whatever you're looking for? And when somebody's coming out with a book, I know they're looking to sell books. I know they're looking for press. And that was that was just a slam dunk easy one. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I just wanted to try to get a time context. My first, and I'm looking, my first article went live on May 4th, 2015. Okay. And, you know, this one just went live in, in January. But again, that don't look at that time frame, whatever that is, like seven, eight months. Um, I legitimately could have reached out to Damon on May 5th mm-hmm. and said, I write for Entrepreneur and I'd like to feature you. And I could have gotten the access. In fact, now that I think about it, man, it was a few months after I went live that I approached Brendan Burchard and offered to write an article for him. And that got me access. And that was that was right off the bat. So mm-hmm. it is what it is. That's awesome. Now, is there anything that you do with your podcast or anything that, that you can recommend for trying to entice somebody to listen? So like, like during the, the beginning part of the episode, especially to try to pull them in to listen to the rest? You know, and this is, um, I'm getting better. But here's the deal. You know, I'm recording these private conversations with some really, really influential people. That can be taken out of context. And so what I've started to do is I will narrate at the beginning. I'll say, hey, look, this is what I'm going through. Example, I I had an uh, an episode that went live yesterday where I featured a, a private conversation I had with a mentor of mine. And I said, look, I told all of you at the end of 2015 that my goal this year is to get to $25,000 a month in passive income. I had no idea how that was going to happen until I met this man. And I had a private conversation with him in episode 47 that changed everything for me. 
and I've taken action like crazy and it was time for me to sit down with him and make sure that I'm on track. So here's the private conversation. So I, I frame it and I give it some context and show people like, here's the goal that I'm going toward. This is not where I am yet. This is where I'm going. This is the mission that I'm on. These are the people that I have reached out to. These are the results that I've gotten so far. Now here's the conversation that's even, that's adding fuel to that fire. Listen in. And then you hear the private conversation. And then at the end, I, I put a pretty bow on it and show, you know, what are my big takeaways? What are the things that you can take away from this and implement in your own life? And then some type of call to action. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. I like that. Awesome. The other thing is the concept of opening loops and closing loops. It's like, it's this concept of opening loops and closing loops. So at the beginning, you could say something like, hey, everybody, what's up? Welcome to the Mentee Podcast. I'm so excited for you today. And today we're going to talk about the five things that are holding you back from quitting your day job and blah, 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 blah. And you keep going. Now, what I did there is I opened a loop. I, I gave you some type of headline. I gave you something that grabs your attention and makes you want the answer. And then I do not give you the answer. I say, and I'll say like, you know, we're going to get into this in the episode or stick around to the end because I'm going to talk to you about the shocking thing that helped me make an additional $10,000 this month. And I'm not going to tell you what that is, but I'm going to tell you that the answer to that is going to happen later in the episode. And then throughout the episode, what I will do is before I close that loop, I will open another loop. So I might open that loop that says, before we continue with the episode, I just wanted to let you guys know in the next episode, I'm going to feature a conversation with a new billionaire that I came into context with and the secrets that he shared with me that have already accelerated my wealth. That's in the next episode. Now back to where we were. And then I would continue on with the episode and then I would close that original loop. You know, here was the number one thing that blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned to the next time when we talk about when we have that conversation with that, with that secret billionaire. So the formula is this, open loop, open another loop, close loop one. And then in the next episode, you know, you address the fact that, hey, you left a loop open in the previous episode and we're going to get to that. And then, so you open loop, then you open another loop, then you close loop. Does that make sense? Yeah, I like that. It's kind of like putting a chain together. Exactly. So you have one link and you get the next chain in there before that one completes. I like that. Exactly. And in full transparency, I'm by no means an expert in this. I got this idea from Digital Marketer and Ryan Dice. I heard them talking about this, and I'm going, oh, my God, that made so much sense to me. And I've started to incorporate it more. I need to be doing a better job. But this is something, this is a very specific thing that I'm thinking about when I'm sketching out my podcast now is how can I tie these together? How can I tie episode after episode together? What are the loops that I can open? When do I want to close those loops? And strategically, what are the other loops that I want to open in between to keep people engaged? Mm -hmm. I like that. Yep. I, I very, I very much like that, that strategy. I've heard something similar, but not phrased that way. And so that gives me a different picture. I like that. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to the creative studio podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed listening to these interviews. If you haven't already listened to the full 10 part series on narrative podcasting, I encourage you to do so. So that will help you to be able to get a grasp on creating a narrative podcast from a topical standpoint. I also have detailed show notes available on the website at creativestudio.academy. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast player and share this with someone you think would benefit from the content. I look forward to sharing more about podcasting experiments. This is a production of Podcast Guy Media, 
LLC.